Good morning, Relentless Church. So good that you are with us, Relentless Church Online. I am so excited to be back on this stage at 1540 Mechanical. It's been a few weeks or a month even since I've been in here, and we're just gearing up. Uh, as a church, we decided, what, six weeks ago, we we're going to pray like we've never prayed before, and that has brought us now two weeks from today. It's November 1st, and that will be our first Sunday where we invite people back in to the building. So today we continue, and I just needed to stand up for this message and preach it. Um, so you uh, stand up where you are or do whatever you do and participate as God is going to continue speaking to us uh, from where he's been speaking to us in this unprecedented series. You know, one of the things that I've noticed, I bet you've noticed too, in this season is that people's, man, they're, they're their fuses seem to be a little shorter, right? People have a little, just in general, just a little, me included, a little less patience for things, right? People are a little quick to get loud. And, and I've heard this phrase a few times. I'm sure you've heard it too. And it's, it's a really annoying phrase. You ever had somebody come up to you, whether you're upset or excited and just said, hey, you need to calm down, right? That's, that's never, hardly ever an effective phrase, right? Whether it's back, Back in the day when my kids were young, uh, younger, and they were in nap stage, and they'd be napping on Sunday afternoon, and my Panthers, God's Panthers, I should say, or are playing, and we score a touchdown, and I'm going nuts, and my wife's like, hey, you, you need to calm down. The kids are sleeping, and I'm like, you know, what am I going to do? How, how's it my fault that they're napping during the game? That's, they got to toughen up and sleep through. That's a good life skill every little kid should learn, right? But, but a lot of times it's not, you know, a funny example. It's like you're fired up, you're upset, you're angry, you're whatever, and you start to like express and raise your voice, not in a crazy way, just in an appropriate way for the situation. And somebody comes to you and says, hey, you need to calm down, right? And sometimes they come at you loud as you are, like, you need to calm down, right? Well, the problem is you coming at me and yelling at me for me to calm down, it actually has the opposite effect that you want it to have. It actually raises and escalates the situation instead of does what the words actually say, which brings calm to the situation. So I'm not saying we should never use that phrase. I'm just saying it's rarely effective when you come at somebody with, hey, you need to calm down because the situation that causes you to say that usually... That's not helpful, right? Even though it could be true. I, f I feel like that guy a little bit this morning as we continue this series and pick right up in, in the scripture where we left off. I feel like I'm coming a little bit as the you need to calm down guy. Or it's really not me. I'm just giving you what God's word is. But when it first hits you, just, just be prepared. Like it could be insensitive today. It could be offensive today, but there's more to it than just, it's actually true and it's actually better than it first sounds. But let me just go ahead and, and hit you with it. We've been in Philippians 4. We looked at verse 4 and 5 the last three weeks, and today is verse 6, which simply says, do not be anxious about anything. And if it would have just said, don't be anxious and left it vague, right? And then we could kind of do with what we wanted to it, make it say what we want to make it to say. But but he said, don't be anxious about anything. Like, that's some crazy talk. Like, how, 
How can, how, can I come, how can God come at us with that? How can I come to you, Relentless Church, with that today, with everything going on? And I'm going to come in and start with, hey, you know, I know a financial pressure. I know some of you have lost your job. Some of you have gotten your salary cut in half. Some of you are worried that you're next. I know some of you are scared to death about your health or about loved ones who have caught or could catch this virus, right? I know we got crazy political tension, crazy racial tension. Some of our relationships are, we got all this stuff and here's what you need to hear, church. Hey, just don't be anxious about any of it, right? It, it's not helpful, right? It's a ridiculously high bar that God just set. Don't be anxious about anything. That's, that's the bar, right? Which is, stay with me for a second on that because when I say that's a really high bar, for some of you, for some of us, that, that captures your tension or your problem with God. If you're honest, some of us we feel like God just constantly sets the bar higher than we could ever reach it. Or he says this and I can't do that or, or I can do that, but he's always setting the bar. And some of you for your history and your perception of God, for him to say, hey, don't be anxious about anything, that kind of fits into the God you know, always putting this bar higher than you could reach on your best day. And it leads to two awful options if that's who you believe God is. It, it's either a God who's so twisted and messed up and unkind or rude or whatever. He, he's so messed up that he always puts the bar higher than we can reach and says, go ahead, do that. Knowing that we can't, but he says we got to. You can't be anxious ever about anything. So it's either that messed up God or it's the idea that, well, I guess other people can reach the bar. It's just too high for me. So I just must be a big, fat, spiritual loser. Right? It's not that God put it so high that nobody can touch it. He just put it so high that I can't touch it. I guess I don't have what these other people have that are able to live without ever being anxious. And thank the Lord, those are not the only two options. There's a third option. Remember, we're a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement of God. Everything centers around the gospel. And the gospel says there's sort of truth in that high bar part, right? The truth is God is holy and his bar is higher than any, his, high, his bar is perfection and perfect holiness. And he knew that we would never meet that perfect holy bar. But because he loved us in advance, he knew that he needed to fill that gap because we would never be able to fill it on our own performance and our own goodness. So he sent not a good person. He sent him, his own son and his perfection and his holiness and his holy perfection gets to count for us. That's the gospel. So no, you can't reach the bar. That's the point. All of us have fallen short. None of us can reach any bar of God's holiness. Jesus reached it for us and Jesus' perfection counts on our behalf. That does not bring pressure and stress. That brings freedom and joy. But yet, I cannot ignore, we cannot ignore the words in the text. It does say, do not be anxious about anything, right? And that's, that's crazy, except for where we've been the last three weeks. Remember verse four, this, this came first. This is important. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say you again, rejoice and let your gentleness be known to everyone. And then last week, we spent a whole Sunday on these four words. The Lord is near. 
That is connected. Sometimes we go straight to don't be anxious. I couldn't preach this message without preaching what I preached last week because they are so interconnected. Once you understand what we said a hundred times last week, the Lord is near and the Lord is here. The Lord is near and the Lord is here. He is near. He is closer than he's ever been. He's going to return. He's going to take his church home. This life is short and temporary, but he's also present and here and attentive. He's near and he's here. If you believe that, that allows us then to proceed to the reality of, hey, don't be anxious about anything. It's really not as much to whatever you're anxious about. It's much more to do with what you believe or who you believe is with you in it. You know what I'm saying? Let me give you an example or three. If me and my wife challenge you and your wife or your husband or your whatever, two on two of me and my wife against any two of you at will of fortune, I'm not worried. I'm not anxious. I know we're going to win, right? Why? Because I'm the king of will of fortune? No, I hate that show. But my wife is ridiculous. It is none of me and the kids, we won't even watch it with her anymore, right? Because the, the kids just tell her, listen, mom, either turn the channel or get on the website and, and fill out the form to be on the show and let's get rich, right? You're stealing money. We would be rich as a family if you would get on Wheel of Fortune, but, but you solve the puzzles before they give you any letters, right? It's not normal. It's not right. It's frustrating, right? I can't even compete with her. But if she's on my team, me and her against any of y'all two on two, I don't have to do anything. We're going to win because that's who she is. So I'm not anxious, not based on me, but based on who I'm with. You know, it was awful or wonderful, depending on how it worked out. I don't know if they still do this. I guess they do. Remember middle school started, high school, college, science. That was not my best subject. Remember when they would put you in groups and you do a group project and you all get the same grade, right? That's, that's scary stuff, but... When they put me in a group and I realized that I'm with genius kid, I'm with genius boy or genius girl who always, you know, they're going to stay up all night and they're going to do all the work if they have to because they care so much about their grade. When you got in the group with that, I ain't worried. Not because I'm great science project guy, but because I'm in the group with the kid who is and whatever they do, I get in on. You get my point. Let's give the man some respect because he's demanding it and asking for it, LeBron James. Right? We are, we are got a lot of sports people, coaches. We got some ballers in this church. I'm telling you right now, two on two, me and LeBron, we ain't losing. To any of y'all, me and LeBron, two on two, and I could wear jeans, right? I could go to the bathroom. It doesn't matter. Me and LeBron, two on two, we're not losing. Why? Because I'm something? No. Because of who my teammate and partner, that's, you get, you get my point. That's where God's, it's not, it's not about what we're going through, what we're looking at. It's about who's with us. And if we really believe that and, and what impact that has on our worries and our anxiety. But, but here's the problem with those analogies. Let me take the first one, me and my wife playing against you and Will of Fortune. What if we do that? Right? What, what if we set that up, the Will of Fortune challenge and, and we're playing Will of Fortune, me and Kelly against whoever, and then First puzzle comes up and she just puts her hands in her pockets. She's like, you got this one. And I'm awful at will of fortune. And she just sits there and she doesn't do what I know she can do. And then nothing happens good. Like, why do I use that? Because I know that's how some of you feel. So some of you are feeling, some of you have been bold and brave enough to say it. Some of you have never voiced it. But the truth is, 
You would say, if you were honest, listen, you're always talking about God's power. I don't question his power. I don't question his ability to solve the puzzle. He's just not doing it in my life. He's just not coming through. For whatever reason, I'm not seeing it. Right? Some of you are like, it's not that I don't believe that God has a plan. I'm just not seeing. Like, if he's so good, then why in the world would he be waiting on this beautiful, wonderful plan that we keep talking about? I'm being patient. I'm doing my part. I just don't see it. I haven't experienced it. So either, either he's lacking in the power and the plan that we always talk about, or he's got it and he's withholding it. And both are hard to get our brains around, right? I think there's good in those questions. There really is. But we got to come back and we got to run from this version of Americanized faith that says, if you're with Jesus, everything goes smooth, right? Jesus was very clear with us when he said, in this world, not you might, but you will have trouble, right? That's a hard verse, but I'm glad he was up front. I'm glad he didn't lie to us. Oh, you'll be great. Come with me, man. You don't have to worry about nothing, right? Nothing will ever, no. He said, you will have trouble, but take heart. Why? Because I, Jesus, have overcome the world. Right? And you might be saying, dude, it's 2020. Jesus overcame the world. Great. What's that do for me? How does that help me today and all that I'm anxious about? Here's how. Because the same Jesus that overcame the world, you can get in on that victory. The same Jesus that overcame the world is near and here with you for you today. Well, why doesn't he fix everything? Because he never promised to fix everything. What he promised is to be present. What he promised is to make everything right one day. And he will. God, Jesus always proves himself over time. It's just not on our schedule. And we get frustrated. All of us do. We have to come back to the truth that he's with you. He's near. He's here. He loves you. And it's not just some casual, hey, I love you even though you're life and you, it doesn't feel like I'm around. I love you to the point that I would send Jesus to die on a cross on your behalf so that you can have hope and peace and purpose and forgiveness so that you could be rescued and adopted into my family, right? That's, that's how he demonstrated his words. That's how his actions and his words go together. And even though he doesn't fix all our problems like we want him to on our schedule, he promises to come with you and sit with you in the pain to provide comfort and peace that is indescribable, that will never leave you and will carry you when necessary. Like he does all that when we let him. He's a good God. But yet this good God is saying, don't be anxious about anything. Listen, that must not mean what we hear. What it does not mean is you can never have feelings of anxiety. I know that's not what it means. That's not what being anxious means. Being anxious is that's who you are. That's, that's your identity. You live in a perpetual state of anxiety and worry. That's what he said. Don't be anxious. How do I know that's what he's saying? Because scripture always complements and works together. And we got Peter, my man Peter in 1 Peter 5. We've looked at this before. Verse 6 and 7, he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, comma, 
connected, verse six and seven, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So it's saying, humble yourself, right? Some of us have a mixed up version of what humility and what pride is, right? Because some of us like, we will, I don't wanna ask for help. I don't wanna burden. I don't wanna bother anybody. Like God doesn't care about little stuff. God says, hey, if you wanna know what humility looks like? It's casting your anxieties on me, God. And to not cast your anxieties on him is the opposite of humility, it is pride. Why would you put your anxieties on him? Because he cares for you. And just that verse that we have through Peter tells us that anxiety is expected, right? The implication, hey, take your anxiety that I know you're gonna have, trouble's gonna come, which is gonna cause feelings of worry and anxiety. That's part of the human experience. Quit feeling guilty for having anxiety. What we call anxiety in 2020, Peter spoke to, and he said, you're gonna have that. It doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. It means you're a human. It's not about if you have the feelings of anxiety or not. It's what do you do with them? And Peter instructs us through the Holy Spirit to cast them, to put them in Jesus' lap. Right, what does that look like? What, 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 do you, what does it mean to... A few years ago, I'm, I'm coaching basketball. We just started up uh, with my daughter's high school team and um, gotten to coach basketball for a few years. One of my favorite stories is when my youngest was playing rec league. And, um, you know, as you advance in basketball, you get to where, you know, you're playing you can put five good players on the court together, but in rec league, it's not that way. So in basketball, you coach and you, you, people use this phrase, you know, playing basketball the right way or making the right basketball play, which is hitting the open person, hitting the open kid. Well, my son, it was like nine and 10 year old, I think. Um, and, and my son was doing his thing and dribbling and he passed to a kid who was wide open. It was the right basketball play. The problem is when he threw it to the kid, the kid ducked right? He, he was playing dodgeball on a basketball court. He did not want the ball. So it was a hard conversation with my son of like, hey, listen, that was right. He was open. But if you throw it to him, he's going to dodge it. He doesn't want to catch it. So don't throw it to him. Throw it to a player who, one, wants to catch it, and two, knows what to do with it. Throw it to somebody that can handle the situation, that can handle the pass, that can handle the ball. So in this casting of your anxiety on God, do you think he can handle your stuff? Right, and we wanna say, no, 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 it's, not, it's nothing about God. I just got a lot of issues. And scripture says, no, it is about God. It is your confidence level in God that causes you to either deal with it on your own or humble yourself and cast it on him. And God, no matter what you or I say, God looks at it as, oh, you won't pass me your stuff because you don't think I can handle it. And we go back to the gospel and the cross to say, man, he handled everything on that cross, I bet he can handle the anxiety that we bring into the room today. So, okay, maybe you're buying in. All right, I'm ready, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to pass the metaphorical ball. I'm ready to cast my anxiety on God because he cares for me and I wanna be humble. I, like, I'm, ready to, you, you, I'm ready to do that. I don't have a clue how. Like, what does that look like? How do I actually do that? Well. Here you go. That's the rest of our verse. Thankfully, I told you we had a comma in verse six of Philippians four, right? Don't be anxious about anything, comma, but in everything, 
That's a big word too, everything. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So it says, but it's connected. Don't be anxious about anything. How? Right? Peter said, cast your anxiety on how? Here's how. In everything, but in everything, by, by prayer and petition. What, what is though, are that the same thing? Well, uh, think of it as like a county, Wake County, right? It has in it Raleigh and Apex and Cary and Fuquay, Holly Springs, all that stuff, right? The, so, so prayer is this big bucket. And one of the ways of prayer is petition. That's kind of like the town inside the county of prayer. Petition, it just means like you're asking. And the rest of the verse says that you present your request. It's kind of like it, in its strongest form, it's begging God of something. So there's a lot of ways to pray and, and prayer is way more than asking God for stuff, but it's saying by prayer, the big bucket, but specifically take your requests, take your needs, take them to God. That's the answer. That's the how. And well, what do I take to God? It says in everything, right? Middle schoolers, Senior citizens, what's worrying you? Answer that in your own mind. Don't put it in the chat, right? We don't want to necessarily see all that, but in your own mind, like what is causing anxiety? There is nothing too small because he said, everything, bring it to me. Oh, you don't want to mess with this, God. No, everything bring to your heavenly father. That's what he asked of us. And not just so we could have it, but so we could do something with it and not just so we could do something with it, but so we could do something in us at the same time. Now it's connected though to Thanksgiving, right? It's not just simply, here's my, here's my to-do list, God. Here's what I need you to take care of. In that, underneath that, all around that is this attitude of Thanksgiving, right? It's that old story that I heard as a kid and now I've actually lived it out as a dad, right? Where you buy your kid, um, a meal, right? You drive through somewhere and you bless them with a happy meal when they're real young or fast food or whatever. And, and let's say maybe I'm trying to eat a little healthier, not eat fries every day. So I, I don't get that. I get something else, but I see that bag and the little fry, you know, is, on the, is peeking out of the, at the top of the bag and just calling my name, David, come on, take a bite. So I'm like, yay. And I say to a kid, one of my kids, hey, let me just, let me get that fry on top. Right? And, and a lot of times I've had that situation and kids have been awesome. But there's been a few times where my kids are like, no, dad, eat your own. Or why didn't you order some? Or really? Or not? Like, that's my fry. Why are you? And I'm like, wait a second, kid. You're old enough to know who bought that. Like, you didn't pay for that. Right? I drove you through. I did all this and I'm happy to do it. But that's, that's only your fry because I was generous enough to give you that fry. And I could go buy you know, 10 fries and eat them all. It'd be awful, but it'd be fun for a minute. But, but, I, but I did, I'm just asking for one of the fries that yes, is sort of yours, but it's only yours because I gave it to you, right? I, I want you to have a level of gratitude and, and you say thank you, but that's really not the same as, no, of course you can have a fry that you just bought for me, right? So you can connect that now to God. We're coming with them. We're coming with anxiety. We're going through stuff, whatever. And, and we're saying, hey, you told me to do this, God. You told me to present my, here's, what I, here's my request. Here's my prayers and petitions. But in that, I'm gonna make sure you know that I know who the source of all the good is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come with a thankful heart, right? And if we don't get this right, everything falls apart because we have a tendency to make 
what the scripture calls our Lord, we, we tend to come at him as a genie sometimes. And he does not respond when we come to him like a genie, like, hey, I've rubbed the prayer lamp and here's what I need. And hey, knock this out for me because you work for me. No, no, no. We are servants of the most high God, right? We, we, are, we know who bought us. We know how we're rescued through the blood of Jesus, right? And we are overcome with gratitude that he would remove our sin and call us into his family. So yes, we come asking and begging and putting our requests, but all of that is packaged in this heart and mindset of gratitude and thankfulness. And the thing that we're thankful for the most is the gospel. There's a lot of things we can be thankful for, right? And you can make your list and that's a healthy thing to do, but always at the top of that list is this incredible news that because he loves us, not because of how good we are, anything we've done, because he's just that kind of God that he sent Jesus to rescue us from sin, death, hell, and a hopeless, purposeless life, but not just rescue, rescue for a reason, that we would be adopted, we'd be called children of his, adopted into his family to do his work and to one day live with him forever in perfect paradise. There's always something to be thankful for. Now, make sure we make this connection. Don't be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition. God is saying, by our prayer, by presenting your request to God, it knocks down the anxiety in your life. How do I cast my anxiety on him? You pray. By your humble, grateful heart of prayer, it actually affects the level of anxiety in your life. Some of you know that's true. You've lived it and experienced it. Some of you need to be reminded. Some of you have never tasted that, right? It's so true and so real, but you gotta get there on your own. And, and I know some of you are going through unspeakable stuff right now. Nothing to do with the pandemic. It's just a really hard season for some of you. And maybe you're in a place where you're like, man, I can't even pray. I can't even pray right now, right? And the beautiful thing, is that even when we can't muster words, right? Even when we mumble, Scripture says, the Holy Spirit can take that and form it into a prayer in God's ear, right? But we've got to make the effort. We've got to humble ourselves even when we're at the worst place. It might not be pretty. It might not be clean, right? But remember, he commanded it. Sometimes when it's, hey, present your request to God. Sometimes it's, hey, God, I, I don't know where you're at. I'm trying to be thankful because I got a lot to be thankful for, I guess. But I don't know what that is right now. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're sleeping. I don't know why you would allow this to happen. You got you to gotta, you gotta change. You, gotta, right? you couldn't talk to God like that because he already knows how your heart is. and You're going to end up in gratitude. But if that's where you're at, just don't choose the route of not praying, right? How many times have we had conversations? Somebody's struggling. Somebody's got a big decision, man. And they're asking our advice. They're asking and like, I don't know what to do. And, I, and then you just, not accusingly, but just a simple question. Hey, have you prayed about it? Well, you know, um, not, not, I mean, once really, but no, no, no. Anything, everything. If something's bothering you, if something's weighing on you, if something's confusing you, if something is causing stress and anxiety. Have you 
consistently put it in front of God. That's, that's our only job. He does all the hard work. We're just supposed to beg of him. Here's what I need, right? And he may not do what we need. He's in charge, we're not. But even if we're asking for the wrong thing, he says, just come. Humbly come and have an attitude of gratitude and an attitude of, I can't handle this, but I'm trusting that you gotta have something because you're God and I'm not. It's that humility to pass the ball to someone who can do something with it that you can't, right? And I don't know how all this works. Like right now, we got people at Relentless Church that are praying about this election. I don't know if you've heard there's an election coming up. There's actually several, some Senate stuff, some governor stuff, a presidential election. Maybe you haven't heard if you don't have a mailbox or don't have a phone or don't have social media or don't ever turn on the TV. But a lot of us have heard about this. And I know our church, right? Some of us are praying to God about this election and and some of us are praying prayers that are very different than some others of us are praying, right? So what's God doing? He's hearing these prayers and he's just gonna pick his favorite prayer? No, like, well, one, we're blessed to live in a democratic culture, society, country where we have the right to vote, the blessing to vote. So, right, so... In some ways, we have a responsibility. Some of that's on us. But even if, I think, you know, he says in everything, right? If, if this election is causing you stress, have, have you prayed about it? Right, well, what if I'm praying something different than my brother's praying? God can handle that. It's not about getting what you want. It's about God meeting you in your prayer. Sometimes it's nothing to do with the result. It's just to do as you give over control of how you view the election. If, as you give that to God, he'll work and meet you in the prayer. Don't fall into the trap that prayer is all about the answer. Yes, present your request to God. But he tells you to do that because he knows as you present your request to him, he's going to meet you in that request in your humble, grateful heart. And he might do something in your heart that makes you look at the election or look at your brother differently. Just take it to God. Let me give you something from my life today. Right, you know, you, you get crazy dreams sometimes. I don't know if it's because I was watching Inception the other night, the, you know, the movie from back in the day, but this morning I woke up and I remembered my dream so vividly and here's what it was. We're opening back November 1st, right? We're opening this building back. I know some of you are not gonna be here and don't need to be here and we're, we're gonna do our best to make sure you know you're a part of this and there's no second class and all that. But we're also excited because we haven't been in here together since March. So that's the backdrop for this dream. So I'm in this dream and I'm with people, but they're not relentless people. They're people that I went to church with before relentless, right? So people in, from my past, but I'm talking to them as relentless. I don't understand it, but I'm telling them about November 1st. And this person uh, who I knew in Kentucky, it tells me, yeah, we're, we're not going to be there. We're not coming back. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. I know you got some health issues and, you know, hey, we don't want you to come back until you feel safe and ready and I get all that. And they interrupt me and they say, no, 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 we're not coming back ever. And I was like, ever? That's a long, that's a long time. Like, you know, I know this is bad and nobody knows exactly when it's going to end, but I'm pretty sure it's going to end sometime eventually. Why would you say you're not coming back ever? And their answer was, listen, Man, in this whole pandemic, we realized we don't really need it. We've kind of enjoyed life at church, so we're out. We're done. And it was a room full of people. Again, people from different parts of my past. And 
When they said that, a bunch of other people started piping in. Yeah, I'm with them. I thought the same thing. I just wasn't going to say it. Yeah, we're not coming back. November 4th, we're not coming back ever. And that was the end of my dream. So I woke up this morning knowing I'm coming to preach this today. And, and, and that is what I wake up with on my mind. And honestly, it took me to some stress and some anxiety. Like I walked through the first few minutes of this day with that kind of like, I know it was a dream. I know it's not real. I know they weren't even people from Relentless. But then I thought, hey, you know, what, what if? What if? What, what if? What if? Like, and then, you know, one thing leads to another and you start building this whole fiction in your head of how things could this or that. And now I'm like, you know, getting, getting a bad start to the day and starting to live in some fear and some other stuff. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Right then, finally, God knew what I dreamed, right? But I was able to take that to him out loud. God, man, just, whew. I don't want to, that's not who I am. You've proven yourself. I know you're with me. I know you're with Relentless Church. I know the pressure's on you, not on me. Right? I know that was a dream, and, and, and I know what's important. Right? It's, it's not really about how many people are here on November 1st and how many people watch it online. Right? It's not about that. It's about how do we love people where they are? How, how do we lead better than we've ever led as a church? How do we put the pressure on you and put the gospel on display? It's about the same things it's been you know, about for six years. And, and, I, and I came out of that different than I started it, not because, you know, I got myself together, but because I prayed and God met me in the prayer. And when I was honest about anxiety that wasn't even founded in anything except for a dream, he met me there and he didn't do anything outside of my closet, but he met me in my, and I left that closet with a confidence and a peace that I didn't have before. I'm pretty confident I'm the only one dreaming about that stuff, right? You got to plug in right now. What is it that's causing, whether it's rational or irrational, fear, anxiety, and worry? Have you prayed about it? Have you brought it to God and not just listed it to him, but surrounded it with gratitude and given him the quiet space in your mind and heart to speak into you what he wants? He doesn't want to just, hey, do this and do it. He's not a transactional God. He's a relational God. He will meet you in your prayers and he connects. The Lord is near. So don't be anxious about anything, not because your problems are small, but because your God is big. He is near so we can, we can give our anxiety to him and not live in our anxiousness. And the way we hand it over to him every day is through our prayer and petition and presenting our requests to God. It's a lifestyle and it's real. And my only job is to motivate and excite you towards it, and you will know for yourself. Church, this week, let's go. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let's let our gentleness, our Jesus gentleness, be evident to everyone. Let's believe the Lord is near, and we don't live in anxiety. We won't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, we're going to bring, with thanksgiving, we're going to bring our request to God. Let me pray that for us as we go. Father, thank you for inventing prayer. It's the craziest, most beautiful, mind-blowing thing that, that you're listening to this, that you this, that you love when we humble ourselves just to talk to you. God, we've been trying to be a church that's prayed like we've never prayed before. I pray we would keep stepping into that. And specifically that we would connect 
our gratitude and our humble hearts in prayer to our levels of worry and anxiety, that we would see how you work in our anxiousness when we pray. God, that there would be prayers, raw prayers going up today and this week, and it would all be built on who is with us and in us, that we will know that you are near and your power and you overcoming the world means we overcome the world and we know we're going to have trouble, but we know we're never going to have trouble alone. God, give us confidence to pray and to live this out this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week, church. Keep pounding. Go Panthers.